1: Hello and welcome
0: to the Rogue Report podcast. We are joined today by Stuart Donald, who has kindly bought me a Mackey's this morning. So, all good here. We're good friends almost, with Stuart. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs>
1: once you share McDonald's, that's it.
0: Yeah, so I'm getting a chicken leggy with a meal. Um, just before we get going, uh, we've had hundreds of responses to our for questions and we've done our best to ensure that we cover it everything we possibly can. Um, so them questions have came from Twitter, ready to go, the forum. I don't know if you ever read that. Probably no. wouldn't if I was you. No, no, so- <laughs> I don't read
1: that. There, there's there's, an, there's so much to read that um, I, I wouldn't stop if I started. So, Yeah. Wow.
0: Um, but before we get going, I thought we would maybe try and get to know you a little bit, you know, a little bit about <laughs> you yourself, because we always just talk football. Right. We don't actually know much about, you know, what goes on in your life. So that's you're good. the honour of the football club. Yeah. What else do you do in your
1: week? What is your normal week? At the moment, my week is all Sunderland. But what it's supposed to be is um, my two main businesses are insurance and car leasing. Um, and I, I've done the insurance since the year dot. Um, so that, that that's what, where I left uh, I left school, went straight into insurance, worked in it for about 16 years, then set my own business up, which I've had, oh, I don't know, probably almost 10 years now. Um, and partway through that process, um, I set up a a car leasing company, um, and that has taken over. So that's probably the majority now of what I do. It's um, it's growing amazingly quickly, and um, we we must have bought I don't know, fifteen car leasing firms I think through through the process where we keep acquiring and and, and growing. So, um, if you like that, that's that's the biggest business I've got, and that's quite a time consuming one because when you're buying the companies, you're merging them. Mm-hmm. Um, improving them or trying to improve them um, so I am supposed to um, work in the insurance two days a week the leasing two days a week and Sunderland one day a week and I would say it's probably six and a half days Sunderland and uh, not much of anything else at the moment Do you have much free time? Uh, not at the moment um, and I've sort of penciled out till January mentally um, when when I did the deal, I thought I'll need two transfer windows at least. Um and the other businesses are in good condition. I have I have people that have worked with me for twenty five years through the old company I worked at, I took, took them with me. So they know me inside out. They know the way I like to to run the businesses. They're able people. So they they look after those and, and I said to them, you know, this this is gonna, you know, absorb me. So um they probably prefer me not being in those businesses. <laughs> they probably get a better result without me. So um that they let me fortunately focus on, you know, whatever project it is. And at the moment, um, you know, Sunderland needs a hundred percent attention. So that, that that's what it's gotta have.
0: And how often are you up here in the Northeast?
1: Um uh well it will peak and try depending on what needs doing but I would say on average two or three days a week. Like next week I'm up Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um and possibly uh Saturday morning and go to the Burton game and um, that's typical and it's really intense when I'm here so I don't think I could actually do six or seven days um, you know solid here so it's good I can do three or four days intense then I get away for a couple of days and um, that allows me to recharge my batteries with regards to the demands on me in the sense that when I'm here it is just the way it is everybody wants a little bit of you and, and, and you know that's understandable and fine but you can't be like that seven days a week so that gives me a couple of days away, but it also gives me a couple of days away thinking time, um, and following through on the actions. And funnily enough, I probably do more actual Sunderland work away from Sunderland than I do at Sunderland, because you're not when you come here you're disturbed by, you know, whatever whatever you're needed to to, to do. Whereas when you're away, you can actually focus on the job without interruption. So. Uh, um, that's fine. And then hopefully it'll it will go back to normal a little bit next year and that would probably involve still being here two or three days a week and, and then, you know, the two or three days I'm not here I can concentrate on the other businesses.
0: And how difficult it to, to balance that work family? Are you is you got that balance right or is that too far
1: the work way at the minute? Um yeah, it peaks and troughs. But what, what what I've been able to do is I think what you have to do is make sure that when you're not working, you give a hundred percent devotion to your family and and to be fair, i manage um you know what whilst, whilst i say i work twenty four seven I can work round them so i don't I don't have to be in an office from nine to five so if I need to work from home for a morning or or the kids have got something on, I might choose to work from nine o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock at night or seven till seven, but I can break for three hours so if I need to go to a sports day or a and as a company we're all very much about that We we give a hundred percent. So we're not nine to five people. But what we do try and make sure is that all of our staff make their kids, you know, Christmas plays, sports days, everything else. So, you know, I, I'm the same as all my staff there. I'll make sure I, I I get enough family time in.
0: And the final person I want to ask is, is, are your kids big? You know, are they like, wow, you own a football club, or they're not bothered yeah. about football? No,
1: no, no, they're, they're bothered. Yeah, they absolutely love it. It's It's, um, uh, it's what they talk about. Um, they've all got Sunderland kits George is here today Thomas was here last week um, Abigail can't wait to come back up um, no they, they um, they're they absolutely all over it and of course they play football so their mates are into it and you know George was football training Wednesday and the car stops you know and, and, and you know you, even in your social life there the kids stop their football training at the end and you're there for 45 minutes talking to all the kids <laughs> who are asking questions about Sunderland so um that that there's a lot of interest in that and um no the whole family's into it yeah. Okay.
0: Start of the season, Jack Smith asks, did you expect things would go as well as they have done so far? I remember you came in here and you said that you thought it might be a slow start. We've not really had that. So, are you happy with how things are going?
1: Yeah, I think on the pitch um uh you know uh, uh, we're unbeaten. You, you we, it's a better start than what we thought. Jack's done a, fan, a fantastic job with the team spirit and <laughs> the shape of the team and um, you know I think he's tactically astute Um, we haven't quite done everything that we wanted to do in in, in the first window so you know from a footballing perspective we're not there yet but despite that I think you know Jack's done well and I think on the pitch you know it's a long season it'll peak and trough but it's a strong start at this stage and I, I don't think we could have asked for any more than where we are
0: and have you been to most of the games?
1: I yeah. think you missed uh, two um two games
0: did you because you
1: Yeah playing. I was on I was on holiday other than that yeah I've been to Luton away um and then I've I've made the home games apart from the the cup games um I I'll make all the games I'm going to Coventry I think the whole office is coming up from Oxford to to go to the Coventry game um so there'll be quite a few of us there um it's Burton next week I'll be at Burton oh, oh, oh. I'll, I'm the same as every fan It's Saturday so it's it's football day <laughs> and occasionally there's a a trip you can't make because of family commitments but um generally I try and juggle everything around so that it's I shouldn't say this on there, should I? It's, it's football first and family <laughs> arrangements, very close, sort of level second. I'm gonna play that back to my girlfriend. Yes. Like, well,
0: you want to see is it's uh Well, I don't uh, have to go shop with you on a Saturday.
1: That ah, oh, yeah, no. Out of season I'm sure I'm the same as lots of people that <laughs> in the middle of June are
0: thinking around. to themselves,
1: Well, what well, well, sh- shopping for Helping your ladies shop or or um, your children's shop in uh, in June is not the same as a uh, you know any football match on a Saturday afternoon, is it?
0: Um, in terms of atmosphere and morale, if you are being honest, what is the mood around the academy like now compared to uh, f- when you first
1: came in? Fan, fan. I mean, to be fair, um, you know for the the general staffing was down as as you'd expect, but from the footballing side, of course, we didn't really see the players because as soon as we got in, they were they were off. So I can only really I haven't got anything to judge it against, other than my time at Eastleigh and um, you know the other little bits around round round Oxford I've, I've done. But I have to say the, the atmosphere is fantastic. I don't know what it was like before. Some of the existing players I think have commented to other players how much more together and, and better and 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 how good the training is, you know. And um, you know, that, that, I think you know Lee, Lee Catamore was talking to one of the directors the other day and said the you know, it's the best he's felt. I think for for a little while, he's really into the training and and everything else. And I think you know that's been echoed by a few other players. So I think oh, I think the atmosphere, not knowing what it was like before, but it's as good as I've ever seen at a football club. And I've been obviously my football club got promoted, and um, this is as good as atmosphere as that, if not better.
0: How do you feel when you you go onto the ground, particularly that opening day? I imagine your emotions when Gooch puts that wonderful header her into the top corner. Uh-huh. described your sort of emotions. I don't know what I was like. I uh, nearly um, fainted.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I'm. I would have liked to have seen my emotion actually, it, it, because I, obviously I've been, you, you know, um, caught a few times on camera or whatever, and that was the one emotion that, that you know you you, you lose control during last minute winner. Um, And I didn't know some of the stats before then, like, you know, how long it's been since we've come from behind one on the opening day, which probably would have intensified it even more for the fans. But from my perspective, the amount of effort that's gone into the football club before we kick a ball and then it's just, uh, yeah, it was the best feeling in the world, didn't it? I absolutely felt like the most important football game for me. And I said that before the game that I've ever been involved in. And um, to win it at the end was just the best way.
0: How did you feel? We started that game really slowly as well. So how did it feel to have the fans not turn? Because when I was there, I was like, oh, it's it's the same new owner, same same shit. To be um, honest, how did it feel for you to see the fans get behind the team?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you can't you can't ask anymore. I mean, that they they roared after the goal, didn't they? And and they didn't get on anyone's back. And um, you know, you could, could easily have done that, but I think the fans have got an appreciation that although probably we have started quite well. It's not an instant fix and they will give us time and they know that Jack wants to be here and he wants to do his best for everybody and, and so do the players and you can see them running themselves into the ground um, and, and I think the fans appreciate that and then I think Jack's as I said I think he's going to play nice football so um, it, it should be a, a really pleasing Saturday afternoon to see 11 lads or 14 lads or however many it is running around trying for the club and, you know, pretty confident that when you're coming on a Saturday, you, you, you've got uh, as good a chance as any team to win a home game. So um, I think um, I think the fans see that. And um, they, they've been nothing but fantastic, to be fair, in the ground. Uh, and out the ground, but in the ground especially, because I know it's been tough. They, they, they've been superb.
0: And what have you felt about the, the away following? You know, you go there and you see that big sun in the way, and I know it's like being in it, we've all been in it in yeah. this room. How does it feel seeing... You know, that amount of people yeah. and well, it, bananas. It, it,
1: and... It, it, it's just special, isn't it? I mean, at Luton, I mean, we weren't allowed that many. And I think that is a frustration in this league. You want everyone who wants to go to go. But what a noise they made at Luton. And you think, you know, I can't wait for Coventry. The The, the stats came through yesterday about Coventry and, and we've almost sat out the allocation. And the first thing I said is, we we you know, if we asked for more, and we have asked for more, and, um, you know, there should be another couple of thousand tickets coming. you think, I oh, know it's a lunchtime kickoff. It's a big ground. We could take as many fans there as we want. Could we get? You know, how many thousands of fans could we get there? And I can't wait for that game.
0: So is that the the line on the cover game? Could it get a say six seven? Well,
1: I, 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 I mean, I, I've just worked it in stages. I think there were about eighteen hundred tickets, and I said, you, you know, what more can we get? And I think I think they've ordered another two thousand. So you think well, there could be three thousand eight hundred Sunderland fans if we can do it, and you think a three o'clock Saturday afternoon kickoff, not on the telly. I'm sure it would be, in, with it being on the telly in an early kick-off, I'm sure logistically that makes people question whether or not, you know, a few people may, whether they'll they'll turn up because um, it's easier to watch it on the telly and not travel. But I hope everybody travels because um, I like, I, I haven't done, gone in with the fans because, it, it, you know, that's a difficult thing to feel your way into. But it is where I, it, it, given the choice, if I could put a mask on and go anywhere, it would be in with the fans because it's the best feeling. Um... You know, imagine those two away games where we're, we're scoring, and you see the clips. You think, "Oh, I want to be in that." Yeah. You know, I don't want to be having a prawn sandwich with uh, the, the the Gillingham chairman. Lovely bloke, though, I'm sure he is. Um, that's not the Saturday atmosphere I, I, I really crave. And I just thought, Coventry, if there's a lot of fans and it's a big ground, I might be able to get relatively close to that to that feeling. And um, you know, when I saw them at Luton, uh, my my initial thought was, "Oh, you know." I can't be really in some ways, but I'd love to be in the middle of that.
0: Uh, I'm gonna. We do have a big section of transfers. I was yep. going to do that next, but I'm going to wait till we've eaten. Okay. We'll go on transfers after that, <laughs> uh, no which problem. I think probably makes the most sense. Okay. But um, I'm going to jump to some sort of general questions yep. that people sort of threw. Away. So we've got some new directors: yes. Tony Davidson, Neil Fox. Yes. Um, what can you tell us? You know, what do they bring to the table?
1: Well, Tony's um, got a track record of being in football. Um, we've obviously taken him from Tottenham. Um, we see that as a bit of a coup um, and I think we've landed on our feet in that in the sense that he's got the experience, he's been around big clubs, he's got a good track record but he's a Sunderland fan so we've been able to tempt him. I mean it's a bit like trying to sign a player that you don't really think you've got a chance of signing. in. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we've managed to pull somebody in in that arena that knows the area that's been at the club um, and that's good at his job. So um, uh, it was a no-brainer for us. And, um, you know, to be fair to Tony, I think he would have walked here. And that's the kind of passion and commitment we need. So the things you want are passion and commitment. And then the other thing is ability. Um, And we think, you know, without a doubt, that's what he brings to us. So in in that role, we've got somebody that not only can do it, but wants to do it for all the right reasons and absolutely bleeds the club. So, you know, that was a no-brainer for us um, once we'd managed to, to... you know, get hold of him and say, please come. And Neil um, has worked with me through throughout my career. He started at the same time as me in, in the first company I worked at and stayed 16 years, so I knew him from there. He came with me straight into the businesses with me, so he's worked with me and my businesses. And he's been at the football club since day one. Um, and he is the, if you like, um, uh, the the he is a real thinker, and doer, an executor of businesses and analyzing, and this football club needs. You know, when someone says the security budget this year is five hundred thousand, and the pitch budget three hundred thousand, and we're spending four hundred thousand on towels or or, or whatever, it is. and we're not spending four hundred <laughs> thousand towels, it. but you know, w- whatever those are, you know, you need someone then that gets in the security and goes, why are we doing that? How can we do it better? This is how we should do it, and then a week later are we doing it that way? No. Will we talk? Come on, you know, let's get it done. So he is a very hands-on, capable, driven individual that has organised my businesses and as I said before, when you asked about the leasing, I've bought quite a lot of companies um, over the last five or six years and Neil primarily um, goes in, shapes them up, organises them, um, gets the result improved Um, and at Sunderland. Um, it's one of the biggest challenges that we face as a as a group of people that have bought businesses, um, and we need his skill set to do that.
0: Uh, once a Tory uh, could have been here, but he's just had a, a child. Yeah, boy or girl?
1: A little girl. Little girl.
0: Very good. So I'm make sure I got that right. Don't no, <laughs> no, not 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 uh, not in the men's team. Yeah. Um,
1: how much of an input has he had so far? Yeah, he's um, yeah, yeah, he's he's had a big input. He's he's been looking. He's been talking to Paul Reed primarily at the moment, about getting some um, South American talent into the academy um, because I think uh, 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 we see a gap in the market there um, and we're well on the way with with um, with that process. So I think he will feed in a lot of South American players to the academy that we can have a look at. Um, some will work, some won't, um, but if the ones that work, work, um, it'll be a great financial arrangement for us. So, in the short term, on the footballing side, um, it helps. Um, he's there commercially and financially um, if we need him, um, and he's he's right at the forefront of that. I think the biggest thing with it, him is um, that that um, not not having done a business with him before, but knowing about his his businesses, I, I know what he's going to bring on the business side, on on the footballing side, which I think is absolutely important for us to try and do he's unbelievably excited um, you know I know he's gone in the terraces and stuff, that but he's on all the time oh, I'm, I'm watching the game oh was so and so playing um, or oh, I can't wait for this or I can't wait for that or you know oh, I'll get over for this game and that and, and as a foreign investor in that sense he could just to a degree do what lots of foreign investors have done and, and, and write a check and, and see what happens but he's absolutely what can I do on the footballing side with the South Americans what can I bring there You know what about this on the football side? You know, and he's doing the football side. But what he is doing, which is what we need to do, is get really excited about the football, and he is, and he's excited about the potential. So um, uh, um, you could get carried away with Juan's enthusiasm for everything. You know, um, I think at the end of the first game, we we went, we were talking, and. uh, I said, you know, it's it's a it's a good start, but it's a long way to go. And once said, nah, we'll win every game. <laughs> and you're like, okay, 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 no pressure, Juan. Um and that's what you think, you know, are oh, we're we're Sunderland, we're gonna we're we're gonna do this. And you want that level of enthusiasm. Um and I wasn't hundred percent sure, being, you know, uh, if you like South American and used to warmer climes and, you know, involved in a sexy football club in Monaco. I mean, you know, Sunderland to to an Englishman is 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 just fantastic but you know what would Juan make of it and um, the weather's been good while he's been here so that's probably helped <laughs> but um, he's come up and he's absolutely absolutely loving it I mean he's play, he he's not here because he's playing football at the academy with with Charlie they've they, 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 they've got a game going on and he wants Who's to do uh, Juan's brought some friends over that I've not met and Charlie well they think uh, I'll have to judge their football but from might be quite good because I've not seen him play, but I've seen Charlie play. So,
0: well, what is Charlie? I imagine I look at him as he's quite big, centre back, maybe big centre back, yeah, crunches
1: into people. What are you? Um, what, what would you call I, would, I was, I was, uh, well, I, I I would class myself as a nippy winger, yeah, I thought that tricky winger, uh, tri- tricky winger, yeah. Charlie wouldn't catch me. Um, <laughs> uh, but the problem is when you get to my age, you lose your speed. Uh, Charlie's still the same physical size, isn't he? So, uh, yeah. it, it levels out a bit. Um, but I'm sure I can still get past it. Yeah, we'll have to organise it. Oh yeah, we yeah. Get the no, report without, lads in without as well. doubt. Yeah, it's, no, no. We'll have, we'll have a game. Yeah. Definitely. We embarrassed ourselves at the play on the pitch in the summer. Did you? Oh no, we'll um. We we might try and put a little directors and employment team together for the summer. Yeah. Um, oh, well, I'm, I'm gonna dig it. myself a hole here, but we'll, we'll see.
0: <laughs> Bring it. I'll play centre mid. In fact, you no, know I might go up against Charlie. I might put myself up front.
1: Yeah. Just elbows, being it being an easy game. Yeah, he's a bit of a pretty boy, isn't he? Just get him, yeah. get him a few. Elbows. Well, he thinks he is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, yeah. He's <laughs> Got that kind of. Glow about them. Um, for scouting, how big is the team working with Tony Cotton? Um, sort of, you touched on the South American players. I mean, I just kind of want to get a general idea of what the. I presume it's a new scouting system
1: we've got in there. What exactly it is? Yeah, I mean, we we, we retained some of the scouts. Um, you know, the academy scouting I think um, is at this stage pretty much untouched. Albeit, I think our wage bill in the the academy is probably as big as it's been. We we've uh you know identify that as an area where maybe we should just pick up one or two players maybe even on a small fee and and you know those you don't really report on but um from that perspective I think the scouting is the same but we've probably hopefully taken on one or two more recommendations um to see if we can invest in and in get one or two more players out. So I think that will that that will just build. Um, the normal what's, scout... what's the actual size of the scouting team? Oh it's it's, it's big but it's Um, in that sense there's loads and loads of scouts but some people just do like Sunday mornings for the boys football and then others will do you know like we've got a couple of scouts in in Northern Ireland but when you say that um, you know you can have full time scouts or you can have people that you know that go to games that you've got on a retainer Mm -hmm. and um, um, what we what we do is we have and and most football clubs do I think is they have the scouts on a retainer Um, and then um, you know so you, you have quite a lot of them um, and then, uh, you know, you can cover the, the the maximum amount of games rather than have half a dozen full-time scouts that, that stretch. So it, it's normal to have lots and lots of scouts. So there's, there are literally, I wouldn't say hundreds, but there are, you know, 50-plus scouts. Um, but they could just be anything from looking at a Sunday morning game to going and watching, um, you know, under-23 games Uh, under 18s games etc etc which is a little bit little bit more involved hoovering up the younger ones I think what tends to happen at football clubs is you get everybody in relatively young and then um, you say I develop and then you know we'll have scouting for players that probably haven't developed or a bit older but are developing older and that's where if you like the more permanent scouting sits and then Tony has retained one or two of the scouts but he's got new new scouts in and a new structure Um, and I think he's got I think he's got six and then two scouts on the away teams. So we'll have two people scout our opposition and then six scouting um, within this country for players. And then um, I think we've got one or two uh, scouts sort of, if you like, in Europe and, and Ireland things like that, but they are not, you know, they don't derive their living from Sunderland Football Club. They are people that we will know that we'll go and watch matches and they'll say, you know, we, we've been to a game in Sweden for argument's sake mm-hmm. where we picked up one or two players before and, and they would recommend a player to us and then we would go out and watch them. So we don't have a scout in Sweden. We have people that would look for argument's sake and then we would go out and view the player. And I think we would then scout those players probably, I mean, I'm bound to say this, but I would I would hope it's right. We, w- we would have the most, more senior people go and scout those players now than than possibly before. Um, so that that's where it is. And I think um yeah, Tony's brought in scouts that he wants. So that's that's all set up now.
0: How, what sort of I don't want you to give the exact details of it, what kind of budget are you talking about for you know, this scouting? Is it like into the millions? Is it less than that? No,
1: no, no, it's not it's not into millions. No. It it wasn't before to, to to be fair. Um it's about it's about the same as what it was wage-wise. What we've done though is we've we've restructured the expenses so it's not as much. So um Uh, There was a lot of flying with our scouts before, Um, you know, a lot of eating, quite nice meals, a lot of traveling. First class. We're having
0: McDonald's. Yeah, we're
1: having McDonald's. Yeah, is it? Um, Well, we think our scouts don't. You you know, um, there's there's a way you can travel, and then it's just the tidying up of the expenses. Like, you know, I suppose logically, if you imagine football, the scouts earn their money from scouting matches, and they put Miley's claims in. So the further away they can go, the more money they can get. So you have to keep control of your scouts and have scouts that you trust, so that you don't find that, you know, somebody that um, I suppose lives, for argument's sake, in Newcastle, is going to scout a game on a Tuesday night that's as far away as possible, rather than the player you want, because he can put the maximum claim in. So we've just had a look at those things to make sure that that's as it needs to be. And I think that process, Tony Coten's on that. And he always calls the scouts on the way to the games to make sure that they're going and mm-hmm. everything else. So I think that's a very tight process. And I'm not without talking out of turn, I'm not I'm not sure that the, the scouting costs were as efficient as they could be. So I, I would say the level of investment is exactly the same. Um, but we, we are cutting costs by we think being a little bit more efficient.
0: I'm gonna jump to streaming so we've launched a, yep. a new streaming service as a new app and everything for that yeah um but it's it's got some issues yep. um certainly things that have been reported to us about you know the quality of the service the yep. fact that there's only one camera yep. no scoreboard stuff like that yep. is that something that we're going to look to improve on and you know develop uh, yep. obviously it's
1: new so yeah i think it's a, a league thing that we have to sign up to so it's run by them so as with all these things we can we can we, we give the feedback and say, you know I, I think this frustration that our fans will have, I think is frustration that all fans have at all the clubs that sign up to this because it's a service, I think, as I understand it, that we sign into um, and we pay to sign into that service and you get what they provide you with and then what we have to do is give them feedback and say, you know, um, we'd like audio or we should have three more cameras or this that and the other, but it's a collective thing. So it's not, it's not streaming run by us in that sense. Um, we register for it. So we don't have, the, the unfortunate thing is we don't have control of it. And I've seen, you know, a few people have messaged me and this, that and the other. And, and then I've been straight on and said, oh, come on, look, the, the, you know, people are paying for this. It's all got to be absolutely top draw. And I think, you know, we share those frustrations. We're trying to improve them. But that is a, that is a dialogue thing we have to have. Not a, you know, it's not something you say to me, this isn't right. Can you fix it, Stu? Um, i can't i can request it to be fixed and and if you like that's where we are so um i've said to tony um and, and i've got the email done saying the, these are these are the things uh, and and the streaming is one of those things and then on the stream we've got a list of you know i've picked up about eight or nine different things that people have said to me about the stream and they'd like it to be different so we'll ask and then we'll we'll ha- i think we'll probably just have to say this is where it is and this is what we've been told
0: how much of the SCFC money do the air uh, club see? You
1: know, um, do I, you set the prices? No, I think no. I think as I understand it, it's set, and we pay a prescription um, of I think it's somewhere in the region about seventy five thousand pounds. So it, that's what it costs us, and then basically everything above that. So we have to pay that, and then everything above that. If we generate more than that, um, then the club get so. Um, I'm not sure why the club haven't done it before but I, I, I think when they looked at the numbers they didn't—they weren't sure that it was going to make any money but um, I thought there'd be an appetite for it um, and I could tell there was an appetite for it so I think um, it's going to be a good revenue stream for us and then of course we'll then have a an option there if we do make a lot on it. I'm not sure whether we can change the pricing. I'm not sure if it's a set pricing to be honest through all the clubs and the clubs that sign up to it have to set a set fee. If they do, that's the fee and then we we can have a look at what we do with the revenue. At the moment, the revenue will go to cover trying to get us, us level and if we get to the stage where we're we're doing well like that and we can alter the the price to make it cheaper for people, then that's something that I'm sure we'd look at. But at the moment, it was very much, we're in, the fans want it. It's the only option we really have. Yes, we'll sign up to it as a league thing. It's going to cost a set amount. We'll let it run and then we'll review it. So I think what we were going to do is is, if you like, let it run for... Two or three months, and then
0: see where um, we go. See where see we get. Yeah. And do you know how many
1: people are, are
0: using it? Do you get to see the figures?
1: Yeah, there's a lot. It's, it's a lot. It, it's um, you can't use it, I don't think on the three o'clock on the Saturday. So when when the games aren't on, um, uh, it's it's into four figures. There's oh, there's there's over a thousand people signing up, I think per game, and then there's a lot of season tickets that have been done. But I think the Gillingham game generated us. 30,000 pounds something like that so there's about and then, 3, watching it yeah and then on on the norm I mean some of them are season tickets yeah. and then but there, there were a lot of people watching that game Um and then I think the the Saturday games obviously it's the international passes so it's it, that, that's less so I think uh, a Saturday afternoon game is between 5 and 10,000 I think and then depending on what the other game is I suppose in the demand you, you, you could say we might get 30,000 pounds from a game like that so you know, if half the games were mm-hmm. at 10 grand and half of them are at 30, minus our costs. And I don't think there are any racked up costs from there. It it, it, will, it will deliver the football club a, a nice result, whilst hopefully also giving fans um, the experience they want, albeit to get the Rolls Royce experience we want for fans, for them paying the money. There's no doubt, you know, you'd want audio on it and other cameras, things like that. So we can try and work on that.
0: And would you be in favour of? Putting the Saturday three o'clocks on the for you know UK fans, particularly for away games.
1: Yeah, definitely with for away games. The difficult thing with a home game is, of course, you want the people to come. Yeah. So it's a, it's a balance, isn't it? Yeah. You know, some people genuinely won't be able to come, and you'd want them to watch it. But if it then stops three thousand people coming, um, it's not really- because they can watch it. You're know, like, you know, you, you want you want the Saturday afternoon home game. You you do want it that, you know, it's got to be viewed by. By the people rather than on the TV. Uh,
0: Charlie released a statement about people leaving early. I think it was with the Love Supreme. Right, you had an interview with the Love Supreme, and he said yeah. that um, he wanted to support us to stay in the ground till the end. Yeah, uh, what's what's your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think you'd like them to stay in till the end, and it is noticeable that a lot of people get up and and leave. Um, but again, you know, people pay their money; they take their choice, don't they? Uh, um, you know, some people might have a need to. Go and do a Saturday night job. Some people might yeah. think about the queue and out the ground, and and you know they've got to get away for a Saturday night out, and they don't want to spend an hour in the car park or or whatever it is. So so I get that, but um uh, I think you know from a if you like from an owner's perspective and a and a players and management perspective, um you know that the lads are given everything. You know you you've got players that are given everything. You've got a management team that's given everything, and to be fair, you've got owners I think that are you know doing the very best they can. And, you know, if people can stay, I think we'd say please stay. And if they can't, then we understand that they can't. But it would be nice if those that are able to stay an extra couple of minutes would would stay.
0: Is that something that you're going to look to tackle with, say, the Red and White Army to work out if there's something you can do, you know, whether that be, you know, travel links or the, I think Newcastle have a magpie pass where people get to use the Met rule for free? Is it things you're going to look
1: at? Yeah, I think there's quite a lot we've got to look at on the match day. There's um, there's lots not the way you want the match day to be. And I think anything we can do from helping with the food quality or or, or reducing queues or getting the, the ticketing system better or the access to the club shop or, or whatever it is, anything that we can do to get as many people here as early as possible and stay as late as possible and enjoy themselves from that experience, then then we've got to do that because it makes the day better for everybody. And it also helps us financially to 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 get the club in a more sustainable position. So it's it's morally and financially the right thing to have a look at everything.
0: Uh, Kevin Ball, uh, there was when you first came in, you said you yep. wanted to get him more involved with the club. Yep. What is his current day to day role?
1: Um, he's focusing quite a lot on the loans at the moment. Um, and, and what do you mean the loans? Um, get, getting uh, players out on right. on loan from the from the academy. Um, get, getting them the right game times at the right clubs so it's like Embelden, and then uh, Embleton Sam Brotherton left. left yeah. um, I think uh, Molyneux might be um, uh, another one that, that might be going out um, I'm not 100% sure but I think I've got an email about Luke and I haven't, haven't, yeah, haven't yeah. I think it's done so um, uh, and then um, I think we've identified a few I think our view in the academy from the top to the bottom Kevin shares it I share it um, if you like Tony Coe and Jack Paul Reed, share it. We we all have the view that if we can, we need to get as many of the players out on loan as possible, playing competitive um, football within the within the pyramid. From if you like uh, the Conference North strong teams up, um, obviously we're Conference at the moment, then League Two, and we need to get them experience of playing in front of crowds and playing within. Uh, you know the environment that matters. So, you know, Kevin's got a, a a big job there because you know we need to to ascertain the development of these lads so that we can actually work out if you know giving them the contracts is the right thing to do rather than just you know giving them a, giving them a contract and them being here but not really playing any games and then it comes to the end of the term we go now they're not going to cut it and and we cut them. Oh. Um so uh yeah yeah kevin's heavy into
0: that (laughs) mcdonald's has arrived so we'll we'll take a a pause for the eating cause and uh we'll come back we've still got a few general questions to tackle and then we've got plenty of things to talk about budget wise and transfer wise so so yeah mcdonald's time hello and welcome back uh we had a mcdonald's break Stuart, what did you have
1: I had, oh, God, you've you got it. No, I know what I've had, but I'm going to sound like a pig. And I? I had a plain cheeseburger, some chicken nuggets, and I gave my fries to, oh, uh, well, I gave them away, didn't I? So It's not bad. It's not too
0: bad, is it? I know people who get like, a, what's it, a McGangbang thing where it's a massive,
1: that sounds horrendous, doesn't it? It does, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm I'm gonna... I've, I've never heard of or had one of those, I'd just like to say.
0: Yeah, it's like a, I think, is it like a chicken meal with a, <laughs> Do it's
1: I, mean, I, know. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I want to look at your hand <laughs> movement either. There.
0: <laughs> okay, back to serious matters. We'll talk about Kevin Ball. Um, you were talking kind of about his day-to-day running with the, yep. the lawns. But is there any plans to see him back in his uh, football boots coaching?
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, simultaneously to that, um, we, we we've talked to him about specifically, you know, the 23s and the 18s, and I, um, I think he's also said he's willing and, and we think it'd be good for him to drop in on the, the the younger age groups on an ad hoc sort of basis as and when he can. Um, he is busy because on top of that we've also asked him if he can do the sensible um, if you like ambassadorial work. So that's the fan um, zone and stuff you see him down there. Yeah, yeah. And and, and I think, you know, occasionally I, I'm asked to do something I can't get there and, and you know, um, I think, you know, Kevin can step in a, a, a few times on that. So, you know he has got a lot there to do, um, and the loans is vital. It's it it it's a big link um, because it's it's the next stage of a lot of the lads' developments. Because very rarely do they, um, you know. I know we've got that at the moment with Mumba and and and, and Joel, but um, sorry, Joel, uh, uh, Maja. um We, you know, there's a lot of players that that don't do that and that need first team football somewhere else first and, and we've got to get the balance of that right the balance of getting the income right when they're going out on loan versus the football and then making sure they're in the right environment and then going to watch them uh, and, and you know that that's a big job Kevin's got on there
0: we'll jump from Kevin Ball to the stands so are there any updates on changing the names of the stands no not yet not yet um, do you think the stadium are like potentially is there any sort of movement on getting that sponsored or a different name
1: yeah potentially on the, on on the stadium there is yeah
0: Cool. Uh, music. There's been some reaction, mixed reaction to the, to the. I suppose the new entrance. Uh, yeah. What it is, a big a TS store I think's in there, and there's a few other yep. songs there. Uh, do you? Do you like the start?
1: Um, I do. It wouldn't have been my personal choice, but you know, um, uh, I have to bow down on the music to Charlie. He spent an awful lot of time putting um, the playlist together and and, and he likes it you know I quite like it I think it's the problem is it's a personal choice and with 30,000 people in the stadium um, everybody's got different musical tastes haven't they and and, and, you know so whatever you do you're not going to you're not going to please everybody Um, see
0: what I heard there was that Charlie
1: clearly likes dance music uh, (laughs) yeah well he he likes it as long as he doesn't move to it you're safe yeah Yeah. he's not a dancer is he not
0: are you the bad Uh, dancer?
1: Uh, and uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. That sounds like
0: a potential yeah. half-time dance-off. Dance yeah. yeah, yeah, in the middle of the yeah. pitch. Get rid of the crossbar challenge. Uh,
1: like, yeah, yeah, we, we could we could go dance-off. I haven't seen Juan's moves yet, so... We'll,
0: I imagine he's got... So He'll be salsa well, yeah Wow,
1: yeah. He'd probably tough to beat.
0: Um, what happened to the traditional songs like, you know, Ready to Go? We used to play Wise Men's say before the games. Paint Your Wagon was the song we used to play when we won. They seem to have been took out.
1: Yeah, um... I I'm I am gonna have to you 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 we need Charlie here if we want to talk music if I'm honest. Yeah. Um it is it is an important thing and I, I like I like the wise men say and I would I would find a little bit of um room within that playlist possibly to put one or two of those in. Um I I think whilst I haven't got heavily involved in it, I think the viewers we wanted we wanted to freshen it up and a and a new start. Um and as with all those things, I think you want that. Um, but by the same token, as with all those things, there's always going to be new starts at football clubs, etc. And um, history is is important and, um, you know, we, we might have to review and get the balance. But I think Charlie, if he's going to do anything on the, on the playlist, and I think it will be Charlie, um, will be the person to talk to, I, I think he'll probably talk to um, the fans groups on that and um, get the feedback from them. And um, uh, they'll have to twist his arm to change a song or two okay
0: because I'm a big fan of that when we used to win there was like a routine they used to play Wise Men Say then the Paying Your Wagon song and when Did we won they? against Charlton I was I wouldn't say upset I was just like oh not played that song I normally leave clapping to it see
1: I would have um, Neil Diamond if if I if I had the choice what's Sweet Caroline yeah I love that um, at, at the end of the game you know if you just give it a minute and then um, you know everybody just makes a bit of noise don't they I, I, I like that and I think that's a nice tune to leave the, the football football with um, if you've had a if you've
0: had a win. good day. Uh Martin Finlay asks briefly, what is the SCFC Business Club? And would
1: they welcome ideas and input from non-members? Oh, I'm sure they'd welcome we we welcome idea and input from from everybody. Everybody who's a Sunderland fan and with Sunderland at heart, um, it, it's their football club to express their view on. And um I think as with all those things, you get lots of ideas, lots of views. Um and I think people don't mind you not agreeing with them, if you take the time out to actually listen to what people have got to say, then at, at least that's, you know, that's being polite and 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 doing the right thing. Um, the business club is about bringing the business community together and seeing if, um, you know, we can actually develop there um, a group of businesses that will work for the good of the football club and the good of each other. Um, and if we can facilitate that and bring it together, it will add value to us and the community um, and and really get us sort of um, involved and hopefully we can do some good things. That, that's the idea behind it.
0: Okay, we're going to switch now to transfers. Um, obviously, go. there's a, a giant elephant <coughs> in the room and that, well, two elephants, papi yep. and Didier and Dong. Yep. Um, we've had so many questions about these, but what, what can you tell us? What is the situation? Can you go through sort of the timeline uh, of the events with them over the summer?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I can give you as much information as I can, but... As, as we said, we, we're, we're looking into our position legally, so we can't sort of um, jeopardize that, jeopardize that because you, you know um, I'm certain they're looking into their legal positions. So you know, um, it has got an impact on the football club um because you know now the window has gone, and neither of them have moved. Um, it means neither of them are earning money unless they're they're training. Um, now Didier and Dong has, has shown no interest in returning to Sunderland. So um, he, he's not here, um, but obviously Papi um, has turned up this week. But the reality of it is we, we agreed with Papi specifically. Um, he requested not to return in July um, because he, he he's going to get a move to another club. Um, and we said, well, that's fine. Um, we'll have an agreement in place with you, but obviously we're not going to pay you if you're not returning to training, which he accepted, so that was the situation for July. But we also said in that you need to keep yourself in a certain condition, and so on and so on. As you know, you need to be insured if you're going to train with other clubs. So, from our perspective, um, we did that. Obviously, they've been looking to move both players. Um, there's lots of talk about offers and, and this, that, and the other. And we place valuations on them. Um, valuations nowhere near what we paid for them. Um, and you can argue about valuations, but we had conversations with their agents about them. And, and, you know, the agents were the ones bringing the figures. And we had an official figure on Ndong from Torino at seven and a half million, but that broke down. Now, from our perspective, it's very simple. The players expressed a desire not to be here. We place a valuation on them, it's down to them and their agents to find a football club. And we tried to help them find football clubs because we don't want players that have expressed an interest not to be here. Um, and you know we need to free up their wages and, and know what we've got, and, and you know sign other players in those positions. So we've we've gone about that. Um, at the same time, we've been reminding them of their duty to return to training. Um, uh, but you know they they haven't done that. Um, I presume on the basis that, that obviously they're adamant they're not returning and and they're going to sort of um, if you like play football elsewhere. Um, we try really hard to to help them facilitate that, and the long short of it is the main transfer window shut, and neither of them have got a club. Um, Papi returns, as I understand, it, he had a conversation with Jack Ross where he said he doesn't feel he's done anything wrong. Um, he's turned up, if you like, um, and and has an obligation to turn up in a, if you like, a certain condition. Um, and he hasn't turned up in the condition you would you would want. Um, and you know, the following day, then you know, training is to commence, and um, he doesn't make the training session. So you know, from the football club perspective, yes, he hasn't trained seventy two days, and there's an agreement for him not to train for some of those. But where was he in August, trying to get a move? So he then turns back, comes back in a a condition where we we don't feel he's in the right condition and then to get himself in the condition that we need him to be in his commitment is not to turn up to the very next training session so um we can't have that um our, our view is it's it's not not fair on us um obviously the players are being devalued um as well as we speak because um you know they're, they're not playing football and um, if you're trying to sell a footballer, um, you get less for them if they're not fit. Um, so it's not our fault they're not fit. Um, we didn't ask them uh, not to turn up. We didn't say that they couldn't keep themselves in trim. Um, but they don't want to be here. Um, so our view of it is now because they've not been here and, have, if you like, not being able to get themselves placed elsewhere in any job, you don't turn around, do you, at, at Tesco's and say, "I don't want to come in for seventy-two days as a shelf stacker because I'm going to go and shelf stack uh, um, Waitrose or Sainsbury's." And you don't not turn up seventy-two days, seventy-two days where you're where you're trying to get a job with them, and then come back and go, "Oh no, I'll start shelf stacking for you again now." Um, you know, I, I'm not in condition to shelf stack, but I, I will be in a. Uh, a couple of months, and I'm sorry I've missed your eight biggest sales days. Um, But, you know, pay me. Now, uh, that will create a legal dispute. Now, as Pappy has told Jack Ross, I've done nothing wrong. So I'm sure Pappy's view of it is he's done nothing wrong. Um, I I don't know in any industry whereby um, that's acceptable um, and where the employer um, should be expected to pay their wages and just let them come back in. So we don't think that is our stance. We we don't think that that is acceptable behaviour. And, and to me, that's, that's gross misconduct. So we, we will and are um, going through the legal process with that and we'll have to fight our corner. What you worry about is, um, you know, we, we, financially... The, these players don't want to be here. We budgeted for them not to be here because they've said so. We budgeted for some transfer fees, which obviously we're not currently going to get. So we're down on the transfer fee perspective. But not only that, these players now think that, you know, despite the fact we've had to sign players to replace them, as under their instruction, they're not returning. Um, they now, you know, are obviously going to try and, I would imagine, uh, make a case for them to say that they haven't been in breach of the contract. Well, I don't see how they're not in breach. But we'll have to let that legally play out. Um, And, you know, what's going to happen from there? I think, you know, in the next couple of weeks or or, or few weeks, um, you know, the fans will see um, what the legal result of that is. I do not see morally in any way, shape or form how the football club should have to spend one more pound on two footballers that... um, uh, have decided because they don't want to play for Sunderland in League One, they're just not going to turn up and not turn up for the first eight games. H- how How is that not um, grossly negligent and, and gross misconduct? I, I don't understand on any way, shape or form. And I think the problem is, you know, if you like, of the 50 million people in this country, 49,900,000 odd would be in agreement. It's a question of what, if you like, the the appeal panel or or the lawyers are actually going to sort of, um, you know, come out and say. So morally, I don't think we owe them one pound. Um, and indeed, you know, um, the the money we've spent on them is there an argument to say that actually uh, that money that's been spent we have no way of realising because they've devalued themselves over the last couple of months by their behaviour and by uh not agreeing terms on on offers that have either been accepted or or put forward and 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 they've pushed too hard is that Sunderland football club's fault no will it have an impact on us if we get the the case wrong yeah yes it it will to be fair because you know we've got a huge budget in relation to the league and uh you know and we can't afford to pay big money to players that have said they don't want to be here and don't turn up for however long it is, and then turn up in a condition that basically means for at least 100 days of the football season, they won't be in a condition to put a shirt on. That, that, that's not right. Um, so we'll see, um, you know, that they'll obviously um, potentially defend themselves and we'll see what arguments they have that they think that that behaviour is acceptable. And if that goes against us, that means that this very scenario somebody somewhere in an ivory tower is saying, um, we've done wrong. And and, and what would happen from that? Um, You know, if we terminated a contract, um, I suppose, the reality of it is either we get told we can't and the player would come back. Um, They would uh, try and get a compensation um, amount um, or, you, you know, one or two other options. So, Um, it's not going to end well and nobody is going to win in this scenario but I'd say this is not a scenario created for by Sunderland Football Club Sunderland Football Club paid good money for these people and I'm currently sat here having one month ago paid a cheque for 3.7 million pounds that I've had to pay for for Pappy because that was part of the deal I did with Ellis and I've now got to write another cheque for 3 million odd euros for Didier and Don uh, as installments on those deals. So this football club spent, I don't know, circa £20 million pounds on those two players. Um, those players are supposed to um, give 100% for Sunderland Football Club um, and I, I don't think not turning up when you've invested that level of money in them, never mind their wages, um, means that we should be liable to just open-endedly continue to do that. I mean, I don't even know where Didier and Dong is. <laughs> I don't think he was at CM Beach. Well, um, <laughs> but we might have to um, have a Twitter competition and we'll pop it up and first one to find him. <laughs> I mean, but, but you know, joking aside, that that, that isn't... Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't think any reasonable human being sees that as acceptable behaviour. How, how can it be right that you turn around and say, I don't want to be somewhere. I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. Oh, whoops. I haven't been able to get anywhere else, and now I am going to come back. Don't worry that you've signed players to replace me. Uh, don't worry that I'm, 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 you know, going to come back in a condition where I can't actually do the job that I'm paid for. You can, you can pay me now. How much is? I mean,
0: you touched on the the money that you paid hmm. for them. Is that their transfer fees done, or is there other installments that are going to happen? No,
1: they're they're done now. Um, is yeah, it? Is all great. the
0: All the legacy payments nope. finished?
1: Nope. No, um, there's uh, next July. Um and the last payments for some players that, that weren't even here the, the, at the end of the season. Um there, there's a few left we've we've paid in instalments. So is that like I don't know, Barini or something? Oviedo, like... I think, uh Gibson, um A um, Gibson, couple, couple of others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean they're they galling checks to write. I mean at, at the moment I've got a check for Kone, Kazri and and um uh and Dong to write, and um, we've just written checks for some other players that haven't wanted to be here. Um, and um, yeah, when you're writing those and then you look at what the football club has paid for those players, I mean, you, you, you know, we want to look forward, not backwards, but, you know, um, the problem is, in reality, um, it is affecting us moving forwards because... You know, if you've got court cases hanging over you potentially and, and and you've got wages that you may have to pay and you've actually managed to turn your revenue right down and you've given these players contracts that, you know, Didier Ndong's still got three years left. Papi's got two years left. So, you know, it's all very well saying you've got the Premier League payments. We haven't got any Premier League payments actually in the last year of um, some of the players' contracts. You've got nothing. So if you're in, if you're in League One and you've got no contribution, um, the football club can't afford these players um uh, they're struggling to afford them now really in reality um so um yeah it's it, it's pretty galling but at the end of July 19 the legacy payments have finished
0: yeah uh we touched on Corney there he
1: was yeah. intent on leaving but unlike
0: uh, the two we've just been talking about he yeah. turned up to training What was he like to deal with and you know what is is the relationship all right with him or was it
1: um he um we placed a valuation on Lamine, um, and that he didn't agree with that. Um, he thought too high. Yeah, uh, and um, his his view was that we were going to potentially stop him from playing football. Um, uh, but I think in the, in the overall scheme of things, we we took a view on that on the basis that he then took a view on what he earned. So I think from Lamine's perspective, he he had a clear desire to play football. And wanted to go back to France, um, and we said, "Well, that's fine. We'll we'll take a little bit of a view on on your value, if you take a view on your earnings." Um, and he was reasonable and accepted that. So Lamine Kone plays football, the, um, you know, not at the same price that that, or you know, for him, I um, mean, not earning as much money. That, that's quite a, a step for him because obviously he's took a forty percent cut from mm-hmm. what we've
0: been down, and he's yep. taken another cut. So you've got, I suppose. Yep. You know, almost yeah. give him a little bit of credit for,
1: for doing yeah. that. Uh, and he turned up training. Um, so he's turned up. He said, I, I I I want to play my football back in France. Um, not necessarily just because of the league, I think the family situation, etc. And he wants to do that. And he says, you know, you, you place too high value on me. We talk around the clubs. We, we try and push the value as high as we can. Um, not a great financial deal for the football club. If you look at what we paid for him. Um, mm. But... Uh, and what was offered for him not long ago, but the reality of it is, we're a League One football club um, with a player that doesn't want to be there that needs to relocate um, into a into a different market. Um, but he had to take a view, and he took a view in the same way that um, you know Jack Rodwell took a view, um, you know, and and those deals for the football club are very sensible. They didn't cost us, um, you know, uh, wages. Um, we we got a, we got a resolution. Um, you know, and then we'll see how Lemine plays and Lemine is now in France playing football and he's a footballer so he's playing football and he's earning money um, and he's not playing for us and we're not paying for him and that's how it should be. We've got
0: four cash departures this summer so that was the Zorro, Kayseri, yep. McNair. Yep. How were they to deal with in the end? Were they all, you know, easy or was
1: there complications? Uh, McNair was easy. Um... Straightforward. Um, took a little while to haggle to the figure that we wanted, and I know there's there's a conversation about what, you know, have we have we got well, enough I had money the for them? I yeah, we did. Yeah, um, uh, and we're in quite a difficult position because you know the the wages were too high um, collectively across the squad. Um, we had too many players, all, all of whom were saying, you know, they. Either they didn't want to be or, you know, I'd like to play Premier League football or I want to go and play in France or whatever. It, but fundamentally what they're saying is I don't want to be at Sunderland. So, um, you know, in, out in the market, people know what it is. So we, we have to haggle on those scenarios. Uh, Joel Azoro, um, I think, um, you know, there was interest from Joel Azoro from a couple of clubs. Um, eventually, um, I think Joel realised there was interest in him. So um, he he'd lost a couple of options because he left it, I think, to his agent. Um, but in the end, that process was straightforward once Joel has already realised there was an option for him. McNair was straightforward. Casri um, was was quite straightforward, but a very tough haggle. Very tough. What was the <coughs> rough fee we got for Kazri in the end? Uh, six million, rising to nine million euros.
0: Is it likely to go um, to the
1: nine? Uh, it's likely to go to at least eight. Yeah. Um, that the, the, la- the last million is based on um, Saint Etienne, I think qualifying for the Champions League. So um that that would be a tough ask um but well not now they've got brilliant Wawi Kazu. well he's played every, fire them. he's played every game because you get some money when he plays so I, uh, <laughs> I I check out oh, there's about 10 teams i check all the who's playing <laughs> um so um y- you know that, that 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 was decent but again we've had to take a view with those players to get the maximum amount we've had to take the money in installments so we got a double whammy because yes we've had the money but we're not getting the money for a, a couple of years on all of them um, which is good for us from a cash flow uh, from a from a business perspective, in the sense that we've got money that we can rely on in a couple of years. Where when the money outs stop next year, we'll still get some good news for the football club. Um, but it's it's not good for the cash flow because we've we've got to pay out, and not only that, one of the two people that owe us on the sales that we've done have informed us that you know they need some instalments on them because they can't afford to pay us. Um, so we we did ask a couple of clubs whether we could have instalments on the basis that we were getting instalments ourselves, um, but we've been more flexible than our our footballing rivals. So uh, we we've had a no, and and but we've had to, in reality, offer a couple of instalments to to a couple of clubs who are paying players for us.
0: We've got Oviedo and Cattermore both yep. were kind of expectantly, but have you know knuckled down, yep. played really well. I've been a fan of both players this season. So yep. is it an issue that they've stayed? Budget wise, but are we also very happy that they've stayed because they're you know very good footballers at this level? Um,
1: from a footballing perspective, um, they've been great, haven't they? Especially Lee catamol Yeah, um, and I mean, you know, lots made of, of me there, but I was always very conscious when talking about Lee. I've never ever questioned his effort and commitment, or indeed his um, wage. What 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 I was questioning was the way that his agent was 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 going about things um and lee has been uh absolutely professional and he is enjoying it i think so i i think lee would like to stay at the football club and i think he's really enjoying playing for jack and that's a that's a positive for for lee Catamol. um and it's a positive for the team because he has done fantastically well and the thing is whilst he, he we come on to the the wages in a minute but the thing is he's given 100% so when you watch him, you want, you want him to do well and the, and the fans have got behind him and it could have gone the other way and it could have been sticky. So, you know, credit to him especially that he's come in um, and he, he's, you know, been a little bit of the heartbeat of the team and he's getting people around him. So I've got a, a massive amount of respect for him from that perspective. Um, and, and, and Brian, unlike the, the other players, again, has turned up and he's given 100%. And while he's here, he gives 100%. Um, financially, yes, it's bad news. Um and it's it's it, it is bad news. Um but that that isn't their fault. Um but um you know I think Brian Blessing probably got caught, but I think he said, you know, at, at the end of the, the the season that you know he would he would look to move on. I, I don't think I'm wrong in saying that. Not, I think he said that publicly. I oh, I haven't had a conversation with him on it or anybody else. Um and I think again, though he's come back you know, he's on an awful lot of money. And when I I, I read an article yesterday saying that, you know, the average championship wage is eight or 9,000 pounds. Well, when you're trying to talk to people about wages, um, you know, you've got a League One footballer who earns more than a championship wage. By some fair distance, they're difficult to to manoeuvre on. Um, Now, when we came in, we thought that um we 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 basically did a budget that said we'd have 10 million in wages and we'd have probably have to spend 4 million pounds um you know tidying up contracts because we had the jack row wells et cetera. now the reality of it is we spent zero tidying up contracts but that money has is but we we're, we're worse than that because actually our wage bill is over because we haven't been able to get rid of Njong, Jilaboji um and and you know a couple of others um, so we're way, way over that, and that's bad news. Um, now, you know, we'll see where we go with Papi and Dong, um, but the rest of the squad, with the players that we've got, um, you know, I think we've we've got the wage bill down from twenty odd, and if we exclude those two for the minute, I think the existing squad then remains at sort of about eleven million. So we've managed to to get that down. We managed to halve it, and then the new squad has cost about three million to put together. And, and really that that tells you you know the, the challenge that we have because in this league we said before three or four million is is a decent wage and, and you you're at five or six over your budget um you you're at the top and we're we, we've spent that on on new players the 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 three or four million about three million odd but we have still got 11 million in the existing squad and that and we haven't got eleven million pounds of, of value, probably. Um, you know, and, and Joey Barton says in his press conference, you know, our playing budget's twenty eight, twenty nine million. Well, I saw that. He, he's he's doubled it, bless him. He's, he's tripled he, it you nearly. Know, well, no, no, it's about fourteen, it's about fourteen, fifteen. Oh. So, so he's doubled it to be fair. Um, but he said in that, you know, we've got players on his entire squad, and we have. And um, with League One revenues, even though we've got thirty thousand fans, that's not sustainable. So, you know, but we've had one window, so over the next couple of windows, we are going to have to try and improve that, but the problem we've got is it's left us almost no wriggle room um you know so when January comes, we are you know it, January is going to be a challenge for us because of of what we've got in our squad, but that is you know outside of Pappy and uh, and Didier who've decided they didn't want to play for the football club um no no player who's at the football club can be blamed for that at all. Um, all we ask them is that they come in and earn their money and that's what they're doing.
0: Brought in 12 players, uh, move on to some more positive yep. things. Well, obviously in Catamount Sports yep. is positive as well. Yeah, absolutely. But how do you rate our business as a whole and were you happy with what we were able to do? I remember you coming in here once saying that you were panicked almost and everyone else was yep. calm and you weren't. So are you
1: happy overall with what we ended up with? Uh, yes. Oh, we'll f- I'm about to say that though, aren't I? Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, you know, we missed the striker at the start. That came at the wrong time, and I was talking to a few fans about this. The way we did our business, um, and of course, you can't say it publicly till after the event. What we what we couldn't do at the start, I don't think, is go and sign Charlie Wyke and, and and Jack etc. And the first couple of signings we we make are, you know, we're paying fees on, and, and and the big the biggest wages that we pay, although they're a lot less than, because it raises the ante for the rest of the signings. So what we try to do was we got all the signings in to start with, you know, Chris McGuire had a year at Berry, left on his contract. Well, we got him out there for nothing. I'm not sure if we'd have signed Charlie White the week before and paid a fee on it, Berry would have said, well, well they've obviously got some money. Um, and we didn't, we didn't go down it from that avenue. So we tried to do the best deals that we could for the players at the time. So we had to do them in a certain order. Um, we missed out on one or two players. We missed out on two players, I think. Um but those players, um, one of them didn't move anywhere. So, you know, we we missed one player that moved. Um, really, would that be um, Issa? Uh Well, we missed out on him because of the fee. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I think we we had if you I suppose in our in our strike line we had Wyke, Isa, you know. Um, we we talked to to Lyle Taylor and we knew we wanted one straight two of those. So I would argue on that we only ended up with one. So. I suppose when I am saying we're missing two, we one of those mm-hmm. we might have gone for, um, and then obviously there was a, there was a lot of talk around Billy Sharp that Billy Sharp, you know, wanted to stay at Sheffield United. Playing games as well now, and he's playing games, and he's a Sheffield boy, and fair play to him, you know, and he he he, he loves that club, so we were never going to get him out of there, um, you know, in that environment. So w- we probably missed out on a on a striker, and we put one or two offers in um, for players that that if you like did materialise, but they would have been at the expense of one or two of the others that we signed. So I think on balance, we, we've we've pretty much got what we wanted. And I think we might like one or two more, but the challenge for us is going to be in January, you know, seeing where we are. Um, and you have to remind yourself, we've only had one window. Um, and we haven't quite reduced the wage bill enough to give us the level of flexibility we want in January. Um, so we'll need to try and sort of make sure that that happens so you know January is probably going to be potentially as challenging as this summer has been and then hopefully from there when it gets to the end of the season um, you know know, we'll be in better condition but Jack's done a fantastic job around trying to fit the finances whilst getting the players we want so I think we've done quite well with the jigsaw
0: Is there any potential free agents coming in? We saw there was a Armenian international defender whose name I'll try, Gail Andonian. <laughs> um, Is there any other players that have been, you know, kind of come in on trial or potential free transfer signings to pad the squad out? There might be.
1: There might be. Um, you know, but that, that will depend on them bringing them in, putting them probably on trial potentially and then we'll get the feedback. But, you know, it's the only way we can do any business if we need to. So, you know, we'd be daft if, if we think there are options not sort of looking at them just in case we might need them. Uh,
0: what do you think was the the biggest bargain you got in the summer now I don't want you to almost you know say that you robbed another club oh. but
1: what do you think was the best bit well I like Chris Maguire don't I so you, you are know getting guy. him out of getting him out of Bury for nothing Um, uh, I, I think was was good business the goalie looks like good business Max um, looks like oh, oh, good business Jack oh, I mean, we, we, we've I don't know I, I think we've 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 done pretty well. Get McGill um, going free. That was say, yeah. That was the the yeah. steal. Yeah, that was um yeah, that was a good negotiation. Took a took a while. Um but yeah, he's he's um yeah, good lad, good lad, good attitude. And um, you know, Jack was keen to get him. Um uh you know, he was always gonna be free, but um, you know, we had to get him at a sensible amount of money because again, you know, as as one of the first signings, you can't you can't be going and spending more than what the league Warrants because um you know you, you you're setting your your tone too high so, uh, um, I um I I like the lad, um Sinclair. I think getting him out um I, I think I know I know he's injured but I'll go back to the first game and I thought he made a big difference when yeah. he came on second half. So his I, power. Yeah, I'd like to see him. But you're looking at it now and you think he's almost fit. Wikes getting fit. Madge's just done really well, hasn't he? He might not have started potentially if everybody was fit, was he? But he's had his chance and he scored his goals. He looks good. I like him. And then you've got Chris McGuire as well and you're looking at him and you think, oh, I'm not sure these players are going to start. Well, I don't know who I'd start out of that lot. Um, yeah. So Jack's a problem. Not yours. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. As long as he wins. Yeah.
0: Um, I know we're pressed for time so there is yep. a few things I want to just yep. Go on, yes, bang sorry. straight through. So yep. one question here from Danny Roberts is about the contracts we are given the players. So yep. mostly one and two year deals. Is there a particular reason behind it and are we protected with extensions?
1: Yeah. Um, two years um, is the main contract uh, view with a one-year option in our favour. Is the majority of contracts we've done. And what was there a particular reason? Just to protect you, because obviously, if you, uh, yeah, if it you... keeps the players a little bit hungrier. Um, two-year contracts is is norm at this level. Three years is quite a long time in football. Um, you know, so I, I think there's no reason. You know, a two-year with a one-year option is better than a three-year deal. Fair. Um.
0: Uh, looking out here, uh, there was some of the academy players that we were looking at. So
1: there was Liam Miller from Liverpool, and that doesn't seem to have no, no have um, happened. Now I might have got the wrong Liam, <laughs> right? When we were talking, so there, does that mean that uh,
0: the Liverpool Liam Miller might have been sitting here going, eh?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I think he might have been going, yeah. Um, when we talked about a Liam, I was looking at a Liam on Merseyside. With a and, and um we were signing a lad from Liverpool and Everton, so um, I think in the early days I've got my um I've got my names confused there because we were looking at a lad called Liam something and a lad called Miller something and I, when you said Liam Miller to me, I've used the first name of one and the second name of the other, so I have got that wrong.
0: Fair play, good good. More to on that one. Yeah. Um. Which was the most difficult player to get into the club?
1: Or maybe just difficult
0: dealings with, you know, getting it. I mean, Charlie White seemed to drag forever. Bolton interest as well. Is that one of the harder
1: ones? Charlie White was probably the most difficult, yeah. Um, Bolton, I think, were out of that relatively early, you know. Just press. Um, yeah, well, I think um, I think we were led to believe that Bolton were in, but we knew, I think we knew they weren't um, when it comes to the negotiation. But Bolton, um, Char- Charlie White was the most difficult negotiation to do by a country mile. Uh.
0: We've got youngsters, so I've had a lot of youngsters get signed up. So yep. Sam Greenwood went to Arsenal. Yep. Um, is there anything put in place to stop that happening? Is a it's
1: difficult because I know that no. they just have the right to sign it, yeah, them. Yeah, but... they do. Yeah, um, before seventeen, you can't stop it, and and there are issues. That, a couple of the problem is as well they can take them cross border, and then you you, know, you get less for them as well. Um, so you know, if you say no, I'm I'm not going to accept it. Um, you know they can. So the you you know Arsenal could make you an offer for argument's sake if we use Sam Greenwood, they make you an offer and you think well he's worth more than that. But you have to balance the agent then saying well actually I'm going to take him to Scotland for a year and then I'll take him to the Arsenal because you you don't get as much. Um, and at 16, uh, as long as all the paperwork's done the right way from their perspective, you can't stop it. Um, And that is unbelievably frustrating. Is there anyone we've...
0: Um, Would you look at doing the same thing though? Is it like that kind of...
1: You would steal a player off so-and-so because why not? Uh, Yeah. And and I think it's one of those things probably, you know, um, three or four have gone. um, And it might be, you know, we've gone down a division. So, you know, the club's come circling. Conversely, I think that's the worst. The problem is they're young. So in two or three years' time, you don't know where Sunderland will be. But if it was me... I would want to play, in that sense, for a League One team versus a Premier League team because you think, you know, trying to break into Chelsea or Liverpool or Arsenal as a seventeen-year-old English lad or is impossible. impossible. Come and try at Sunderland. It's happening. So, you know, um, as long as the, the 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 look of the club looks right with with the youngsters being played there, I would have thought Sunderland would have been a better place to stay. But um, yeah, it, it's there's we can't do any more than we're doing.
0: It's... In terms of contracts, we've got Madjuster hasn't signed one, yep. Gooch Honeyman, there's a few yep. of those, Bally Mumba obviously yep. 16. But what's happening behind the scenes there? Is that something we're tackling going well, we, forward? Or do you need to see where we're
1: gonna be in the league? Or? We, no, no, uh, we want to protect our young assets. But, you know, that, that will involve us giving them more money. And we, you know, from that perspective, we're gonna to have to balance that with the fact that we are um uh, financial fair play in league one with a revenue of x and a wage budget of y our wage bill is too high um you know and we've got to do some work on that so basically we've got to free money up to give to these lads um and we can't be in a position where we haven't done that because we want to protect ourselves as football club because they're assets to us and we want them in our team so um we've sat down and and you know, we've identified the ones that we want. There's about five or six lads that we want to extend their contracts with and we haven't started that process but we started internally to say this is what we can afford and this is what what we'll suggest. Um, And I would hope all those lads you've mentioned um, will all sign contract extensions but at the same time we've got to work hard reducing our our wage bill. And you can't, you know, our wage bill is as much as our revenue um, if you exclude the Premier League parachute payments. That has got to change. And the only way that's going to change um, is if we get promoted in, in, improve our commercial revenue or take our wage bill down. And our wage bill is still way, way too high for this league.
0: Uh, Rich Lister asks, in terms of finances, what developments have been made, if any, with short, with
1: regards to legacy payments? We talked about this last time as well. Yeah, um, we're, we're, the solicitors are talking between the two. Ellis and I have reached an agreement on that, um, and, the, and the legal people are just drawing it up. Um, which always takes ages because they always try and put something in to make themselves look uh, look like they're value for money. But Ellis and I are, are agreed on where we are. Um, so happy this, with that? Uh, um, yeah. Uh, well, is Ellis happy? I wouldn't say so. No, because he, you know he, he's contributing a little bit. Um, am I happy? Not really, because I don't really want Ellis to have to contribute. But by the same token, um, I'm having to contribute more than Ellis. So, you know, um, I think, you know, we found common ground. And um, I would say we're both in agreement. Um, uh, Our relationship is is not suffered from it whatsoever. So um, that's good. But I don't think either of us are particularly happy.
0: Uh, I'm going to jump now. There's a few final questions jumping. I think you've tackled pretty much all the financial questions and transfer questions I think we had. Um, In terms of, you talked about an exiled supporter scheme in one of the first podcasts are we any closer to launching you know that kind of membership scheme uh,
1: no we're not we're not any closer but it is on It's the, the that we haven't got into the detail of that but that item is closer to the top of the list than it was but we're not there yet and in regards
0: to go back a little bit of the stadium how yeah. close are we to reopening the top tier that must be 32,000 there at the weekend um, yeah but it,
1: it, we, we cope with it didn't we um, yeah I'm saying though
0: when it gets to say like the Bradford game on Boxing Day
1: I hope I'm, I'm hoping we'll have to have it open for then yeah I, think I right don't s- know do you
0: well, think yeah. if the if, what number crowd does it need to be to open it I don't know what the
1: rough figures are is there a number I don't know I would have thought 35 I would have thought if if you ask I don't know because I'd have to check yeah Um, but I would have thought logistically about, about I mean the bottom bowl seats what 38 something like that I don't know yeah I think so <laughs> So, um, uh, you know, and I suppose if you factor in the away fans, I, I would have thought we'd have to get 35,000 home fans, I, I think. think. Yeah. Um, merchandise.
0: Um, yeah. Do we get a slice of the profit from the shirt sales per cost of shirt or is that kind of a lump sum paid out regardless of how many we sell?
1: No. Um, no, no, the more we sell, the better we do. Um, we get a, an element of free kit in the deal, and I think we get a, a you know, a payment, um, which isn't particularly substantial. And then, you know, we have to sell X amount of shirts. We have to commit to that order. And then, um, you know, if we if we hit the sales on those orders, then you know we're we're generating revenue for ourselves every time we sell a shirt. And finally, uh,
0: where, where do we go from here? What's next for Sunderland Football Club down the line? Short
1: term, long term. Um, Short term, um, dealing with the players that don't want to be here and then organising the budget in January so we can do the work we want to um, from a board perspective is vital. That's what we need to do on the pitch. Jack um, uh, has got to sort of, um, you know, just keep the atmosphere, keep the focus, do all of that. Jack will do all of that. So, you know, Jack, Jack can crack on. We've got to get ourselves in a position whereby if Jack needs something in January, we're in a position to do it. Um, and there's going to be some work needed in January to make sure that that happens. Um, so, you know, on the footballing side, that's that's where we are. Um, on the business side, we've still got to drive down the operational costs. Um, we've got to get the club more sustainable. We were looking at what we've done. I think when we inherited it, the plan was that the revenue would be 16. Uh, and we always talk outside of the parachute payments because they're not there forever. So we work on that because when those stop, we don't know where we'll be. What and happens to the
0: parachute payments then? Um, You're just going to stick them in a account. <laughs> An uh, no, we're well, <laughs> having to
1: we're well, having to use some of them to 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 run the losses. We expect a surplus by the time we finished, but um, you know the the reality of it is, if you like, all the money gets put in a pot. The money that we invest, the money that that comes in on all the revenue, and then we've got the pot. But in that pot, there is obviously the legacy payments that need to be met. Um, the running costs in the football club, I think, were. Budgeted to be about fifty million before we got involved, versus a revenue of about sixteen, and with the view that the parachute payments would cover it, and then there'd there then be a, a a small surplus. That's on paper. They also got to factor in the fact there was about twenty million pounds to spend in the summer on players. So obviously there's a, a cash deficit. Um, so uh, if you like. Um, the first thing we've got to do is get the running costs on paper level and and whilst worrying about the cash flow. So we organise the cash flow, but what's the actual true position of the football club? That, that's the issue. And I, as I say, I think it was 16, uh, 15.6, something like that, uh, revenue expected and 50 outgoings. We've got that down to about 30 um, and the incomings probably to 18, which we then would expect to get to 20 next year. So if we can get ourselves to 20, how close can we get 30 down? Now, in this model, the easiest way to explain it is you don't budget for promotion. Our, so if we were in League One on a clean slate with the biggest budget being 6 million, 10 would be plenty. So if we're running at 40, uh, 30, take four off the budget, obviously we're at 26. The Premier League payment reduces that we have to make on as a charitable t- to donation. Uh, by a million pounds. So we're down to 25. We've got a conversation with the rates, which we think is is, is too high, by seven figures. So that would take us down again, plus a bit more operational work. And you can see that the running costs of the football club are getting into the low 20s, and the income without cups, um, etc., is is near a 20. So, you know, we're then close to being sustainable. And that, if you like, is where we're working towards. But at the moment, a lot of the cash that we're generating is, is going on, you know, getting those losses down, Um, you know, maybe buying ourselves out one or two contracts, et cetera, et cetera. So by the time we get to that model, the key is how much of the cash have we got left from the money we've invested and the money that's surplus in the Premier League and the players that we're selling versus some of the stuff we've inherited. And every time we inherit something, then it goes wrong. Um, You know, an extra person sues us or, we, you know, our numbers haven't got quite right or you know, um, you know, Alvarez wins a case for five million, that eats into that money. Um, and then the only way out of that is for either us to put more money in, either by us doing it, by getting the loans, by restructuring it. And and, and the question is, have we got our numbers close enough to being right? Now, we think we have and that's all okay. But the one thing outside of that that we've all got to understand is it's all very well us getting the financial model right. But that gives us a restriction on what we can pay on wages. Forget transfer fees, what we can pay on wages. And um, I'm not 100% sure of the exact rules, but I'm certain that if our turnover is 20 million, our wage bill can't be 15, 16, etc. So we've got to work that. And then if we get promoted, of course, we can add it up and, and move on. So the one thing that we haven't got down as much as we thought we would is, is, is the player wages. Primarily because I think um, some players that expressed a desire to leave haven't been able to leave. Um, and there are probably four or five of those. So that's the challenge we got.
0: It sounds like a busy, 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 busy few months ahead. Oh, busy. Yes. Look yeah. forward to getting the update probably October time. Yes, uh, no so problem. thanks, Stuart, for coming on. Pleasure. Um, enjoy the game today. Hopefully we'll everyone will be listening to this tomorrow morning excited and happy that Let's one. hope so. Stuff Fleetwood and Joey Barton.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, I'm not sure I as the only one should say we should stuff them, but yeah, Let, yeah. Let's we want the stuff l- them. Yeah, let's yeah. stuff them.
0: No, uh, I've been Connor Bromley. Follow Rogue Report on Twitter. Follow Stuart on Twitter. He always drops tiny nuggets of information <laughs> in his likes and replies. Um, and thanks for listening. Um, hopefully we'll you'll be back in sometime in the next when
1: month. When you need me, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. thank you.